morning, everyone. Welcome to Haven. Let's stand up and worship the Lord today.
Have a seat. They know where you live. They feed on your flaws. They drain your time. And they never leave you alone. I need to run a few errands. Can you watch my dog? Again. All right, you know anybody who's like that? If you don't, you're that person, just to let you know. So that's how it works around here. Um, All right, so we are going to continue today our our series on um, relationship vampires with an extra, um, uh, with an extra little week here. Um, so, I mean, you can see the theme of that is dealing with people who suck the life right out of you. Um, and that's relationship vampires. But we're going to talk a little bit. I added a week just for some other things, um, and it worked out. Okay? Um, so let's take a look at uh, our prayer request right here. Um, there's several, um, several um, people we want to lift up on, your, on the prayer uh, request. Um, Phyllis asked for prayers for Dave DeMarino, uh, uh, I think it is, um, and he's on a respirator with COVID. His wife says, doctors say it looks bad. Prayers for healing. Patty Miller, please keep uh, my family in your prayer. Um, we've been through so much. Um, keep our brother Ricky Smith in prayer um, for, a, for Cecil, a dear friend who has a had a stroke and prayed for um, healing for our country. Um, Judy asked for prayers for Karen, friend Karen, who's in the hospital battling, battling bacterial pneumonia. Um, Sarah, um, uh, Joanna asked for prayers for Sarah and the Cohen family. Um, as many of you know, may know, Danny Pilkington did pass away this week, and his service will be here on Wednesday um, at 2 p.m. Um, 1 p.m. will be the, uh, a visitation. And, um, and so just continue to lift up a prayer, um, and we will have a, some ability, to, if you can't make it, to see that on, online as well and streamed. It um, doesn't seem right not having Danny in the parking lot or right here with us, does it? So, um, but um, just prayers for, for him, um, for uh, Jennifer and Jim Legullo, um, and then also prayers for Andrew Miller, who is 30 years old, who is battling COVID, and it's been very serious as well. All right? So there's several... Um, uh, those um, and don't you just hate the fact that we are still dealing with COVID, um, and it's not getting any easier in many ways. Um, so we want to continue to lift those and others in your prayers. Okay, so let's do that right now. If you'll join with me in prayer, God, we come to you today in a mixture of all kinds of things. We um, we're thankful for what looks like a beautiful day, um, and that touch of fall that feels to be there because yesterday certainly was summer. Um, but God, we just thank you for each and every day, another day to worship and to, to do your will. Um, there's several people that we've lifted up on our prayer request uh, list here for Andrew Miller um, and for, um, for uh, the family of Danny Pilkington and friends, um, for, for Dave, uh, who, Dave Marino, who's also dealing with, with uh, COVID and it does not look uh, very positive. Um, so God, for those who are currently dealing with that, for the medical staff that are, that are doing everything they can, we ask that your presence be with them and that your Holy Spirit um, just guide them. And we, we continue to pray for healing like we talked about last week. For those who have lost um, loved ones to this horrific disease, we ask for your prayers 
um, for Lou um, for healing. As Lou has had one thing, then the next, we just ask that you continue to be with him. Um, for Karen, who's in the hospital with bacterial pneumonia, a lot of times, God, we forget there's other stuff out there and that is still affecting people. And so we ask for you, you to bring your healing there. And, um, and just uh, families who have been through so much loss as Patty's family and, and all kinds of other, um, other things that uh, approach us. God, sometimes we look around and we don't see a lot of positive in our world and we start to wonder what this is all about. And so what we just ask right now is that we keep our eyes on you um, and that we, we recognize that um, no matter what each day holds, um, we know who holds the future. And, um, and so, God, as, as we enter into what seems to be times of more and more confusion and more and more uncertainty, we just want to stop and recognize that you and you alone are the answer to all of our needs and that um, we weren't promised e- uh, eternity on earth, but we were promised for those who believe in you and trust in you, eternity in heaven. So, God, um, just uh, whatever you have for us today in this um, extra week of the series, um, I ask that you just bring it um, from my mouth to our ears and our hearts and, um, and speak to us as you would have um, us hear you. And for that, we give you praise in Jesus' name. For everybody who's here, anyone who's watching or may see this, um, God, you do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we go. We got a lot of stuff going on for announcements. Let's take it away right here and see what's going on. <laughs> got a lot of stuff on there, correct? There's a lot of stuff. Make sure you check um, uh, our website 
um, havencc.org um, for you missed some things. And I know because you guys saw Trunk or Treat, um, you saw the candy and you totally shut out everything else. Um, so what I, what I want to do is I want to go back to one thing because it's, it's of uh, time essence and it's really, really important as we launched it last week. Um, we've done Operation Christmas Child for several years and um, we've done some amazing things with that. And so our goal this year is 300 boxes. Um, and this is one of those things that you can get people outside the church to say, hey, how do you want to do this? How do you want to um, make this happen? I do know that if you, um, if you go to dollar stores and stuff like that, you can get boxes and put those together, little plastic things, and, and put a bunch of things in there, and that collection day will be November 7th. And, um, and so with that, um, I know also some people have donated, and our children put things together. They buy things and do that. Um, and so our goal is what? 300. Let's see this video real quick about, about Operation Christmas Child. The joy of seeing a child open the boxes for the first time is just, it's incredible. There's squeals and screams, and they are so excited to see what's inside their box. Oh, my goodness! Every shoebox gift represents the love of God to them. We are so excited. Many of the children receive the shoebox for the first time in their life. We're here with Operation Christmas Child. The kids are so excited. We had the opportunity to hand out some of the boxes. There's so much joy, so much happiness, and it gives us an opportunity to present the gospel. We pray that these boxes will be used to bring a lot of happiness and joy, but more importantly, the gospel to each heart, all these little children around the world. What a great gift. I get a present. I get to know who Jesus is, but not only that, I get to be discipled in his way. This shoebox gives us an opportunity to continue to shine the bright light of the gospel in the darkest and remote places around the world. We're seeing families come to know Jesus. Churches are sprouting up in these communities. These children are rising up to be disciples in their own country. The gift box and the gospel of Jesus Christ bring hope to our children to bring the smiles back on their faces. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly. This is what these shoe boxes are all about, to go out in the bring of hope of Jesus Christ around the world. I'm just so amazed at what God does each and every year. This is an opportunity to impact the lives of millions of children, just like you've seen. But we need more boxes for next year. Every box is an opportunity for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless each and every one. I, I always like to think, um, I think a couple things when I see these. Um, Number one, I always think like the, the, the minuscule things that we are able to put into a box that if, um, if I got as a kid or my kids got, I'd be like, man, you are cheap, Dad. Um, you, you know, and, um, but yet in that, that means the world to some of these, some of these people. Um, it also changes lives. I still am also, uh, the, the one that gets me is the, the one that we showed a, a couple years ago where somebody gave and actually they ended up meeting 
and ended up getting married. Um, she was in another country. So if you're looking for a marriage, hey, give a box. I mean, that's how it works. Um, it's God's dating plan. I don't know. Um, but uh, there's that. Um, but the main thing is that I think that we, we talk about, we get so, so caught up in talking about 300 boxes and, and so many boxes, um, which, is, which is good. But when we talk about boxes, we're talking about lives. We're talking about 300 lives. 300 children that wouldn't know about Jesus, wouldn't, wouldn't know what Christmas is about, because a lot of us just forget what Christmas is about. And so for them, we are, it's a way that you can give them Jesus in an amazing and powerful way. So, um, you know, hey, for your unchurched families or whatever, tell them, hey, you want to give? And don't, don't let them leave until they do. I mean, that's, a, that's what we do. I ask people, and they will go ahead, and we're hitting this time where we're, we're, we're ready to begin to give and give. Um, also, just so, so please go ahead. That's November 7th. We need those in. in yeah, so just keep bringing them in. Keep bringing them in. Keep bringing them in. And usually we pray over them and send them out. And, um, and I, I, just, I just believe that, that, um, that it's truly affecting lives. So a couple other things there for Paris Foundation Community Kitchen. Also connect to those. Um, I think Paris Foundation's today. Um, so continue to uh, connect with those ministries. And also we saw the Thanksgiving food drive, which we've, we've been a main person in the community. Even with, with COVID, when it shut down everything last year, we were able to do Do you remember how many, Donna? Right. Right. So we've always, because I remember last year particularly, a lot of people, because they weren't doing things, weren't meeting, they dropped out, and we had to pick up the ball, and you guys picked up the ball. So let's continue to do that and recognize that Thanksgiving is coming very quickly, and so we want to go ahead and, and make a difference there. So thank you all for everything that you do. One other prayer that I want to give, I don't know if anybody saw the news today, you know, our sister churches in Haiti are there, and there were seven, in Port-au-Prince, there were 17 uh, Christian missionaries that were kidnapped. Um, and so what we recognize is, this, and people wonder, when are you going back to Haiti? When you go? We can't yet because it's, it's not safe. There's a lot of turmoil, a lot of gangs and everything that are there. The, the people in our churches are, are safe. I've talked to Pastor Oog a lot. Um, and so, um, but continue to pray for them because um, Haiti is really in a mess uh, right now. And so we need to ask God to go ahead and intervene. All right, so we got everything there. Everybody good? There's a lot of different things. Um, so we're going get, to get rolling now. Again, we are picking up um, in week 1A, I call it, not 2, because I was going to get into, um, as we said, the series about loving people who are a little bit difficult to love at times. And I call them relationship vampires. They're people who suck the life out of you. Okay, and, um, and, and, and just real quick, does anybody know, know anybody like that? Okay, like if you saw them at your door like that, on like the video, or if you got the phone, you saw the phone ring. Wasn't isn't caller ID one of the greatest things ever invented for the for when vampires call? Um, or God forbid, you're walking down in the in the grocery store or at some kind of mart, um, and you look and you see them, and you go into that like um, Mission Impossible mode where you hide. Um, any way you can. Um, but there's some people that just just do that. So as I was going to talk about this week, but God just had me change some, some things this week. Um, next week, we're going to talk about uh, overly critical suckers, the life suckers, the, the vampires, overly critical ones um, that pick us apart. Um, the next week after that, we're going to talk about loving the very needy ones. Um, whatever you do for them, it's never enough. And right now you guys have people's names going through your head. I know you. Um, they always need more. And um, so how do we love them appropriately when we can't, when no matter what we do is not enough? And then we're going to finish this series with the hypocritical vampires, uh, the, one, the hypocritical ones that suck the life out of you. Um, some may call themselves Christians, but their behavior aligns nothing 
with the word of God. So what is our role, if any, in that? And how do we love those who are hypocritical uh, time and time again? That they're so easily ready to point out the speck of sawdust in their brother's eye or sister's eye, but they have a two-by-four sticking out of theirs, all right? So that's one of the ones we want to do. Today, um, with everything that has been going on, especially for me this last year, we are going to look at a different kind because it's not really a person, but it's something that does suck the life out of you. Um, if you're not careful. And what we're going to talk about today, because there's a lot of it out there, and there's been a lot of it out there, we're going to talk about sorrow. Okay, we're going to talk about sorrow and how that sucks the life out of, out of people and how we get through life's losses without having it drain us of every bit of our life. And um, so the, last, the reason why I started to do this is, you know, because uh, Danny passed away this week and I was looking at a lot of things and a lot of people said, I don't know how you're getting through it and I don't, uh, I don't know how you're standing and I say I don't have a choice. Um, but I really believe that over the last year I have a PhD of losses in life. I've really learned uh, a lot of different things. And so what I want to do is I want to start off by sharing five things that I've learned from um, being drained uh, with sorrow. Um, and also things from God's word over the last 11 plus months, and then share how I believe that God wants us to get through these things, these major losses in life. And I'm going to say it's easy, but it's not easy. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Because I know as I look around the room, I know other people who have had losses. Um, I, I, I always think of Jen when COVID first started and how her father and her stepmother right away. And, and, and we tend to forget these things. But so, so many people, and like a Todd and your niece and, and different things like that, there's a lot of loss and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of pain and a lot, a lot of things that are, that are here. And so I hate to say this, but I'm going to because you know me. Um, you are going to need this message even if you don't need it right now. You are going to need this message. I'm going to tell you how Jesus said that. He said, in this world you will have trouble. Okay, he said you're going to have trouble. And that comes in a lot of different ways. Um, so in other words, he said, you're going to have losses in life. And, but he did go on and say, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And so you may not need it right now, but I encourage you today, if you've never taken notes, and I'm going to ask you again if you'll put the QR code up there um, for some people if they want to go ahead and get the bulletin um, and just take a look at it. There it is. You can go ahead and hold it up there, your camera, and get it. If you don't take notes, I would challenge you to take this, and you can save it and put it away because I'm going to tell you, you are going to experience life's loss at some point, and it will rock the foundations of your life. And so here we are. So we're going to talk about this, and this is a good time to take notes, all right? So, um, but that's between you and God, and um, the cameras are watching, so just joking. All right. So here we go. First thing that we're going to share here, our my first point is this. The first thing that I've learned is that loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice. You have to choose to grieve. So loss is unavoidable, but grief is a choice. You have to choose to grieve, and a lot of people choose not to. They stuff it. They deny it. They try to get through all losses in life without ever grieving at all. How are you? I'm fine. It's good. Yeah, everything's, everything's wonderful, right? Oh, yeah. oh, how are you doing so well? Oh, it's, you know, it's, here we are. I just have to. We go ahead. Um, that is a big mistake in life because there is no life without change. There is no change without loss. 
and there is no loss without pain. But grief is a choice. Let me explain that a little bit. All living things change. Have you ever seen uh, your pictures from when you were a kid? Have you changed a little bit? How many of your hairlines a little bit further? And your uh, waistlines a little bit further as well? Anybody? Uh, you don't want to admit to that? How many, how many went through that? Like I, I said, through COVID, um, through like la- the last year of COVID, and from the time where we were shut down to the time that people came back, some of these young people went... And, and the babies that were babies are like now running around. And I'm like, what happened? And Dave and Terry and Laura are going, yes, they do. Um, and, and, and so we see that, and it's like we missed out on something. Because guess what? The last time we saw them, they're babies, and now they're not. Because living things change. Living, all living things uh, are in a state of change. So um, the only thing that, things that don't change are things that are not alive. Does that make sense? Okay, so I want to make sure everybody's here. So if you're alive, part of life is change. Part of life is change in life if you're alive. And there are things that change around you and inside you, other things change. There is no change without loss. Why? Because in change, you lose some of the old to grab some of the new. I am so grateful that as my children got older, I have lost diapers in my house. I am glad that as they've gotten older, that um, there is, you know, sometimes you were like, wow, it was kind of cool to play. You know, when you had little kids, you could play with them, and you could play toys, and it gave you an excuse. And now you're kind of like, eh, I don't get to play toys anymore. I'm going to be really weird. But you had an excuse to do that. So you kind of miss some of those things. But everything changes in those areas of life. You are losing things all the time in your life. And so there is no change without loss, and there is no loss without pain. Because we don't like to lose things. And Miguel and Elijah got married the other week. And as, you know, we're walking down the aisle, and we come here, I'm thinking this little tiny girl who used to sleep by tucking her arms in on her dad's chest and go to sleep, that's a loss, right? That's something that's, those years are gone. I ain't letting her do it now, you know? I mean, not happening. That's what he's for, right? Okay, so, but you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, and so we, we lose things in life, good, bad, and different. Coming down and seeing, and I've had people say, well, how did you do the first part if you walked her down? And many of you know that we, we use the um, audio clips from Melissa at my wedding and put my dad up there. When I see those pictures, there was tears around up front um, by people because there was a loss. And it reminded us of a loss that we had, that they weren't here and present with us on that point. And so there is some pain when we experience loss. Um, and you, you can understand that when you lose someone, when you go to pick up the phone and call them out of nowhere. Anybody ever done that? You know, after the wedding, we were cleaning up, and I, I went to pick up the phone to call dad, and mom said, hey, we got everything cleaned up. I'm like, well, they either know or don't know. I mean, but yeah, I can't call them. And, and something that you've done. So there is a loss there. Everybody understand what I'm saying? So we, when, with, with, there is no change without loss. There is no loss without pain. But grief is a choice. You have to choose to let grief in. You have to allow it. You have to allow yourself to feel grief. You have to. And um, so a question 
that you may say, why in the world would I ever want to let grief in? Why would I want to do that? Because I truly believe that grief is the way that we water our, our lives for spiritual growth. Um, and I'm going to explain this in a minute, so just hold, hang on to that. But take note of this. At the mention of grief, most people go right to something that happens at funerals. We think grief, we think funerals. And that's, that's fine. But keep in mind, we have thousands and thousands of losses in our life all the time. We have those who've lost their health. That, I mean, one of, the, one of the things that was probably more tragic than my father's passing and his death was the fact of seeing him lose his mobility and his health and his independence and things to do that. And it was causing something. He was grieving that more so than he was grieving the fact that he was going on to be with Jesus. All right? Um, many of you um, have dealt with losing a job. Anybody ever lost, lost a job before? and felt that pain and that loss, um, you can lose a friend, whether to death or just somebody you were close to who's not close to you anymore. You can lose finances. Does that cause grief? It does when the bills come due. Um, so, so grief is not only when someone dies. That's one of the major triggers for grief. There are many other things in your life that we need to look at because we have a life full of losses. And there's so many things in life that we need to grieve because they are losses in life. Because grief is unpleasant, most people try to avoid it. Uh, they want to stuff it. They want to put it aside. They say, I'm not going to grieve. I'm not going to get on with my life. I'm, I'm having, let's go. And I would, I would dare to say that many of our unresolved problems in life are, are un, because we have unresolved and unmourned grief in our lives um, throughout, throughout years upon years. So, for instance, um, in developmental psychology, uh, one of the things that they've learned is that the stuff that happens to us in the first three to five years affect us for the remainder of our life if we don't deal with those properly. And, and in dealing with those means that we come up with coping mechanisms. We live in denial. We repress it. We do all these kind of things. They have a number of different um, ways to, that we cope that our bodies and our minds cope with things. But the healthiest thing for us to do is to deal with it and to grieve it and to go through it. When many of us say, nope, if I don't talk about it, if I press it down, if I keep it there, if I just get into the next thing in life, I keep busy, then it's going to go away. And that is simply a lie from the pit of hell. That's not how we are created. And, and so we, we see this time and time again. So if there are things that happen to you as a child, or the things that happen to you at school or at work or other things that you should grieve over and you haven't. If you don't grieve over it, here's one of the problems. We get stuck in those areas. We get stuck in the points where we put those coping mechanisms or defense mechanisms together. And we, we, by, by pressing it down, we never get the healing that grief brings. Grief is absolutely essential to all of our lives. Number two. Number two, grief is healthy. Everybody say grief is healthy. Good. It wasn't everybody, but that's good. Um, actually, it is the only response that we have when, when you have a loss. It's the only proper healthy response. 
Again, it could be anything. It could be loss of a job, loss of a, a, of a career. It could be that you, ha- you deal with infertility or the loss of engagement or serious financial problems or maybe you have a stillbirth or a miscarriage or um, loss of a limb that people have phantom pain even when they lose um, a limb and they, and they deal with that or um, the loss of someone you love. Whatever it is, we all have losses in life. And grief, grief is actually healthy. It's good for you. It is the only healthy response that we have um, because it's unhealthy to deny that we have a loss. Grief is probably the most painful emotion we go through in life, but it's also the most helpful for us. So you say, how is that, Jack? How is, how is grief helpful to me? Because grief is a tool for you getting through transitions in life. In 11 months, I went from, from being someone who was Jack, who was Connie and Joanne Cohen's kid, who it was um, Jill's brother and just rolling along, to I became like this patriarchal person in the family. I'm much too young to be uh, patriarchal. Until this year, I got an AARP card. <laughs> right? Anybody got one of those? Mm-hmm. Welcome to 50, right? That's what happens. And I was like, what? Oh, then I can get some discounts. I was like excited about that part. But, but that happens. In 11 months, I can tell you in most every area of my life, there's something that has loss in it. Some you know about, some you have no clue about. But there are loss upon loss upon loss. So much so that I don't say, wonder what's coming next. Or I feel like another shoe's going to drop. And guess what? I have and an octopus up there dropping shoes. And that's what I feel like at times. So, so this, is, this is part of what we have. But it's, it's the most painful but also the most helpful that we have. Because grief is God's tool for getting us through those transitions in life. And if we don't grieve, many of us get stuck at 14, at 28, at 36. Because we didn't grieve a major loss in your life. I know somebody who, when, when Melissa and I first started dating, was one of the most friendly, outgoing people in the world. And then she had a parent who died. And I believe like in their late 70s, 80s. And that person became a hermit and doesn't talk and doesn't go out and doesn't do anything. And they're so depressed that they do nothing. You know why? Because they did not grieve. They got stuck in that moment of loss. And they can't get past it because they're stuck in the moment of loss. And so that's what happens to many of us. It's why we have anxieties. It's why we have phobias. It's why we have fears. It's why we have low self-esteem. Because we haven't learned to have what they call good grief in that. So let me ask you this question. Here we go. Would you admit that Jesus never did anything wrong? How many, how many, how many believe that Jesus never did anything wrong? Okay. So I think we all can kind of agree with that. He never sinned. He never did evil. And Jesus never did anything unhealthy, yet Jesus grieved. Okay? For many of us, we think that grieving is wrong, but Jesus grieved, and if he's perfect and he's sinless and he grieved, then guess what? Grief is good. And the Bible says that Jesus wept. He just, from his inner spirit, he just grieved when he, recognized, when he went to the tomb and Lazarus was dead for a couple of days. Now, if Jesus grieved, knowing that he was going to raise him from the dead, what about us and how we grieve? Jesus, the scripture tells us, was a man who was acquainted with sorrows. 
And when Lazarus died, he grieved a lot. He cried. He sobbed. John 11, verses 33 and 36 says, When Jesus saw Lazarus' sister sobbing, that's Mary, and he saw how those with her were crying also, his heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Then Jesus started crying and they said, See how much he loved Lazarus. Then Jesus started crying. It's interesting, we never read, just like we were talking about in the, in the last series, we never read about Jesus running somewhere or being in a hurry to get somewhere. Jesus walked everywhere. Um, we also only read Jesus crying, not at his own suffering, but in the loss of someone he loved. That's where we see it, in the loss of someone he loved. So grief is good. Sadness is not a weakness. And I, I want to speak to men and young men here. Our culture has wrongly told men that it is weak if you show your emotions. That, it, that we tell people that weak men are afraid to cry. That weak men are afraid to get emotional. And m many men are taught, suck it up. Right? From a young age, we're taught, oh, don't, don't do that. Don't cry, suck it up, be tough. And I'm going to be honest with you. It is exactly the opposite. Um, I have cried at some of the dumbest things in life. I have been watching a movie, and all of a sudden, my, I start crying. I'm like, what? Anybody ever watch that movie, Stepmom? Oh, my gosh. I just turned on the fountains. I mean, you, you, you can watch Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts, and it's like, oh, I'm just done. I'm done. All right? I cried as a little kid watching Snoopy come home. Yeah, all right? There's, there's a lot of things I, I cry out and, and do. I've sobbed over many, many losses in my life. And, you know, what we got to learn and what we've got to embrace, and, and again, I'm talking specifically to men here who think, who have been told, suck it up, don't do that, don't cry, keep your emotions close to you, don't let anybody see that. I want to tell you something. Weakness and sorrow or sadness are not the same thing. The fact is, um, the stronger you are, the more confident you are, the more you're afraid, you're not afraid to show your emotions. That's what makes you strong in life. Because if Jesus wept, then that is not a symbol of weakness. It's a symbol of strength. There are two unhealthy reactions to what we have in loss. One of those is what we call repression. There's others, but one is repression. We unconsciously try to block out painful thoughts out of our minds. And then we have, and that's unconscious. We just kind of, hmm. There's another one that is called suppression, where we say, I know what I'm doing, and I'm shoving that sucker all the way down. Nobody's going to see me emotional. I have no emotions. Here I am. I will get through it. I am tough, right? Where I intentionally say, I'm not going to hurt. I'm not going to think about pain. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to go forward. There's a task. There's a job. There's a and I've, I've had to do that over the last year to get tasks done, like doing my parents' funeral and doing my, one of my best friend Danny's this week. I will be able to, I will, I will, I will have to do some of those things, uh, some suppression mainly, to go ahead and get through a task. The danger that I have and have had as one who has done my grandmother's funeral, um, my parents' funerals, my, uh, uh, my friend Donnie's funeral, my, now my friend Danny's funeral, doing Brandon's funeral, doing um, 
doing Shelly, your husband, uh, funeral. I mean, we, we talked a lot. Doing all these kind of things with people that you form relationships with is I suppress things to get a job done. But afterwards, I got to do a better job of grieving myself. And I've learned that. I mean, I did Paul's the other week. And I didn't realize how much Patty's brother meant to me until that moment when I was talking to him as he was dying. I knew, but I didn't know because everything else was coming and every loss that is in there, it builds on another one if you don't deal with the grief in that. Everybody with me here? I just want to make sure you're, you're with me. So, so what we see is grief is God's gift of getting us through these transitions in life. And if I don't let it out in, in healthy ways, I am going to deal with it in unhealthy ways. Let me say that again. If I don't learn to deal with it in healthy ways, guess what? I am going to deal with it in unhealthy ways. Everybody does that. I see all the time people who are doing all kinds of behaviors that they never did because of a loss. Um, they never grieved over an alcoholic dad or an unloving mother or mistreatment or prejudice or bigotry. And if you don't grieve the losses in your life, you will act out in unhealthy ways. I heard it said before, when I swallow my grief, my body rejects it. Doctors have and, and, and people have proven that a lot of our medical illnesses come from unresolved grief, unresolved regrets, unresolved resentment that we keep those in there and we keep mulling them around and mulling them around and mulling them around and our body does not like that. And it creates all kinds of other health issues such as um, you know, heart disease and, and, um, and high blood pressures and all kinds of things. We take emotions inside of us that God never intended for us to keep bottled up. He intended for us to let them out. God gave us, uh, as I said, several um, several. Uh, uh, months or years ago, I said that God, it, it came up, I didn't have it on my paper, it said, I, I really believe that God gives us tears so we don't drown on the inside. I, I just think that's something that God gives to us. So let's recap so far, okay? I wanna, I wanna, I'm giving you a lot of stuff, and I want to recap a little bit. Loss is unavoidable in life, but grief is a choice. You have to choose to enter into it. You have to choose to embrace it. Why? Because uh, grief is healthy. It's good. It's a way that you can get through uh, these stages in life. And that brings us to number three. Number three is, and this is a big one, God grieves with me. God grieves with me. God grieves with me. Um, our whole ability to grieve actually comes from God. Um, the reasons why we have emotions is because God has emotions. Um, you were created in the Im image of God. Imago Dei is what it's called. And so God gave us the ability to have emotions. The reason why we grieve is because, ready for this? God grieves. We're told that if we bring up the sins that, that, that God forgave, that we actually, quote, grieve the Holy Spirit. So that means that God grieves. Questions. Do you know that God gets sad? Do you know that God weeps? Do you know that God has sorrow? Did you know that God regrets when he sees evil that people do and it breaks his heart? The Bible tells us that God is an emotional God. And so our ability to, to, to grieve is what separates us from the rest of this creation. When you say, I'm not going to grieve over that, I'm going to just put my head down, I'm going to be in denial, I'm going to go and stuff it down, you're denying the very thing that makes you a human being. The very thing that makes you in the image of God that you can feel and have emotions and grieve. 
God gave us not only the ability to grieve, but he promises he will grieve with us. Uh, um, he, is, he suffers with us. He's a suffering God. He's a sympathetic God. When I'm in pain, God isn't just aloof and hanging out there somewhere. He's not sitting back saying, can't you just suck it up and get over it? Why don't you just like be a man, Jack? That's not God. You say, well, how do you know that, Jack? From Psalm 34. I use it at every graveside I've ever used. It says, the Lord is where? Close to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Does that sound like a God who's saying, suck it up? No, he's close when you're brokenhearted, and he wants to save you from being totally crushed in your spirit. So look at that, that word close. It's important. Some of us are brokenhearted here today. Some of you in just this topic are brokenhearted. And you've been going through life because you have to go through life. And some of you, God wants to say, stop life right now and grieve. And do that. You need to do that. Maybe your heart was broken this week, this month, or maybe many years ago. God is close to your broken heart. And when you think he's a million miles away, he's as close as he can get. You just need to tune in and reach out to him. So the Bible tells us that grief is healthy and that God grieves with us. Number four. Everybody good? Number four? Number four is this. Grief is healed in community. Grief is healed in community. These are all from Scripture. Um, Nobody gets well on their own. Nobody gets well on their own. We are better together. We need each other. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. Look at your second choice and say, yeah, I got to have you too. All right, go ahead. Um, But what we see here is is that we need each other. Uh, You know what God hates? You know what God really, really hates from the very beginning of creation? You know what he hates? Loneliness. He despises loneliness. Despises so much that he made us to be in, rela- in a community, in relationship with each other, to love God and each other. What was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. You notice that the per- they asked him what the greatest commandment was, and he gave them what we consider two things, but he said they're intertwined. You love God by showing how much you love each other in community. That they're connected. We can't separate them. Oh, we love to separate them. I can worship God just as much at home as I can if I'm sitting in church. No, you can't. How do I know? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. These are the greatest commandment. Because if you really love God, you're going to love your neighbor, and you're going to love and fellowship. You see what, I'm, you see what how, how this connection is that is here? Um, grief is healed in community. Revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing. And you need to share it with each other. That's why grief share has become one of the most, uh, most effective ministries that has ever been done in 25 years of my ministry. 25 years just seeing people take that. Where people who aren't even part of this church come to grief share because they're grieving. And they say, I can't do it on my own. I need people. And one of the biggest tragedies of this whole quarantine and this COVID thing is it separated us from fellowship and separated us from what we really need, the body of Christ. Because we need each other together 
in order to heal. We got to have it. I have never seen anybody go into the hospital and get well and they shove them in a closet and lock the door. They need nurses, they need doctors, they need staff, they need all that kind of stuff to get better. And there is no one who has sorrow and loss in your life that you are going to get better alone. It's not how we were created, it's not how we're made, and what a great tool of Satan to get us for a whole year six feet apart and keep us away from each other. And I realize that we've got to be careful because I'm planning a funeral for one of my best friends in the world because of this thing. And people are dying and people are sick and it's all ages. We've got to recognize that. And I'm not going to get political because if you want to know what I say, Romans, Paul says, hey, you each choose. God gave you a conscience. And don't beat each other up. The church is beating each other up all in the name of God over some, some thing that has become political, but it's killing us. Not only physically, but spiritually, it is killing the church. Because we don't love one another. And we say, God, and guess what? It's not Republican, it's not Democrat. It's a God thing that we need to be together because the church is not only limping, it's shattered right now. Because we've stopped being healed in community. And we need to stop beating each other up. Galatians 6, 2. says this. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. In other words, when you're in pain, I'm supposed to carry your pain. I'm supposed to take it on. When I'm in pain, you're supposed to carry my pain. When either of us are in grief, we are supposed supposed to carry each other's grief. We are to support each other. You need each other, but I'm also going to give you this. You don't need all people. Why did I say that? Because some people in your grief are there for all the wrong reasons. Some get in your grief to control you. Some getting your grief because they are guilty about what they did or did not do, particularly when someone passes away and they want to appease it and annoy you in the process and not bring healing. And some people just love to be seen, right? But someone who loves the Lord your God with all your heart and bears that pain with you. Sometimes the most powerful, the most powerful uh, ministry to help somebody in grief is to bear with them. You know what that means? Just sometimes just sit there and shut up and be present. I, I, t- I shared the story many years ago. Um, it's been about 24 years ago. Um, I was three. Uh, <laughs> no, but 24 years ago, I, I, was work- I was doing a chaplaincy at the hospital, and they said, they need you to go upstairs. There's a young man. He's in his 20s. He had a brain aneurysm, and it doesn't look good, and his mom just got here. And I was like, okay. And all of a sudden, um, I go up the elevator, and the door opens, and I heard this this scream that I can still hear in my head. And at that moment, I wanted the elevator to go, and go down and say, didn't see anybody. That's what I wanted to do. But I had to get off the elevator. And I'm thinking, what, can, what do I need to say? Well, how can I make this better? What can, I, what can I do? You know what? Her son, and what happened? He did die. And that was what happened. There is nothing I can say to make her pain go away. And, and there's nothing I can say to make her grieving go away. And you know why I want her grieving to go away? Because I feel uncomfortable. And I want to do something. So it was, it was amazing. God shut my mouth. 
like he did the lions in the lion's den, shut my mouth. I walked in there. She's grieving. She's crying. And she looks up at me, and I said, my name's Jack Cohen. I'm one of the chaplains here at, at Christiana Care. She threw her arms around me, hugged me, and wept. And I kept my mouth shut. I told you it was a miracle of God. And she cried and hugged on to me and just wept and wept and wept. It seemed like for a half an hour, but she did it. And then eventually she pulled off and she, she started to wipe her eyes. And my next statement was, what can I do for you? Is there anyone I can call? Is there anything I can do? And I became a servant to her at that moment. I didn't get into deep theology about has he been saved by God's marvelous grace. I didn't get into, well, is he, is he smoking or non-smoking? I didn't need that because it didn't help at that moment. And it doesn't help. What helped was being present and just bearing with this strange woman I never know and I've never seen again in her grief. And that's what God calls us to do. We need to carry each other's burdens. By the way, when you're going through a tough time or a loss, it's always interesting to see who shows up. I've always been fascinated by who shows up. Because the ones you think would be there don't show up. And the ones you think could care less, they are some of the most loving, healing people in the whole process. Anybody experience that in life? And that's, and that's uh, part of what happens. Um, don't judge the people who show up. Because there's three reasons why you do that. You don't want to judge them. Uh, you don't need the resentment to build up in your, in your life. You don't know what's going on in their life. They may have fears in their life. They may be going through something serious. And God may be doing you a favor if they don't show up. I mean, sometimes you might be, well, so-and-so didn't show up. Sometimes you need to rejoice and thank Jesus they did not show up at your house um, because they may make it about them. Romans 12, 15 says, when others are happy, be happy with them. If they are sad, share their sorrow. Share their sorrow. Look at that part, share their sorrow. Grief is healed in what? Community. In community. And we need to share it with each other's sorrow. Um, and if you're, de- if you're dealing with grief or any kind of loss that brings grief, we have grief share. And that's, and that's something important. Um, all right. And, and here's a tip for everybody if you are being present. Comparing never comforts anybody. Never, ever, ever. And I'll tell you where comparing comes in, particularly in, in situations of death. Um, people say, I know how you feel. You don't. I mean, even if you are in the, a very similar situation, if you were married and lost a spouse and somebody else lost a spouse, you do not know what they're going through. Why? Because everybody grieves differently. And you can't say that. Don't say that. I'll give, you, I'll give you what to say. I don't have a clue what you're going through. But I'm here if you need me. Right? Because guess what? I don't. But whatever I can do, I'm here. I'm present. And I'm going to be there. I don't know how everybody feels. And, and that's how we are. Because everybody's different. Okay, number five. Ready for number five? Grief takes time. Grief takes time. It's not over quickly. You don't say, okay, well, I'm going to give this sucker 72 hours, and then i got to get back to life. You know, I'm going to start again. And you know what? The people that do that, you are hit the most because guess what? Life is never the same. It's never the same. Um, I've had, uh, you know, grief, grief has its own timetable with everyone, and you can't rush it. Um, there's a number of people who, who I've, I've heard say to people, you're not over that yet? Um... Uh, you don't get over grief. You get through it. 
I'm going to say that again because that's something we need to hear. You don't get over grief. You get through it. You get through it. It is a journey. It is a, it is a time. It's something that you go through. Um, you never get over the major losses in your life. But with God's help, you will get through major losses. For instance, if you have a, had a baby born and lived a week and died, you don't get over that. When we had a, a miscarriage one time, I remember my, my 90-some-year-old grandmother coming into the house, going over to Melissa and saying, Honey, I'm brokenhearted for you. And because when she was in her 20s, she gave birth to stillborn um, twins in a house with my grandfather and her mother. She's in her 90s. She was in her 20s. That's, I'm not good at math, but that's 70 years, I think. All right? She never got over it, but by the grace of God, she got through it. Right? So that's what we, we, need to, we need to look. It's part of your life story. When your parents, your children, your siblings, your best friends die, you don't get over it. You get through it. When you've been abused, you don't get over it. You don't get over it. You get through it. You get through it. If you don't grieve it, you also get stuck in it. Do not try to get over your grief. Get through it with God's help because grief takes time. Ecclesiastes, I use this at most every funeral as well. And it was so important that the group, the birds, made it a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. There is a time for everything and there is a season. If you're writing stuff down, circle that or or highlight that. A season for every activity under heaven. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. What this is saying is life is composed of opposites. We have good days and we have bad days. Um, We have up days and we have down days. There's a time to weep and there's a time to rejoice. There's a time to be sad. There's a time to be happy. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance and party. Both and all these are genuine parts of life. Maturity comes when we can get through with God's help all those areas in our life. If you can only survive by entering the parties in life, you don't know what you're missing by grief in life. Because of the parts that teach you to, to live and grow in Christ. Life is not all about mountaintops. We love mountaintops experiences, don't we? We love the high points. I love the high points in life. The valleys are the ones that where I get most growth in my life. Right? A season. That word season, it says grief is a season. It's more than a day. It's more than a week. There's a season of this. It takes time. The Bible has a phrase called a time of mourning. There's a time of mourning. When Moses died, they had the time of mourning for Moses, and it was 30 days is what they used. For example, you know, in Rwanda, they have a national day of mourning every year for the last 20 years for the genocide that happened, and they don't want to forget it. They want to remember it. So, okay, Jack, why are you belaboring the point? Quit beating me over the head. Um, because um, don't try to fix everybody first thing out of the gate. Just grieve with them. It's part of the healing process. We learn this as little kids. You go out, you fall, you, you hurt yourself, and the first thing you do is cry, and then you, hear, you ever hear the parent, don't cry. Don't cry, you're okay. Um, my head's bleeding, um, and I'm hurting, uh, and you're telling me not to cry. Um, parents, there are a lot of things worth crying about. And we need to stop teaching and telling our kids to stop crying. Um, when hurting, let them cry as long as they need. 
if they want something and they're crying, let them know really quickly that ain't going to work. Um, but stop trying to force your kids to stuff their emotions somewhere. Um, what we have to do is learn to lament. Lament. Lament is a cry out to God with your pain and your hurt. I want to read this to you. It says, Lord God, set me free from this pain and agony. Oh God, please help me. Every waking moment is filled with pain and loss. Every night is filled with terror and fear. God, how did it happen? Where were you? Why didn't you stop it? God, with all that's wrong in the world, I'm sobbing out to you so much. God, before the sun even rises and everywhere I turn, doors are slammed shut. God, do not slam the door of heaven in my face. Would you hear me? There's nothing that brings me true happiness as people I love dearly and those who have died and left me. Others have stabbed me in the back and used me. My faith is shaken and my soul is hurting and in danger. Oh God, as I wrestle to cling to the deep places of my inner being, save me, oh God, and save me, oh God. Hear my weeping and my sobbing and my grief and anger in my spirit and be my holy one. Be tenderhearted when you speak to me. Handle my broken heart with gentleness, for ultimately, without you, I am nothing. Daddy, when you speak, that which is dead in me needs to come alive. It, your hand reaches out and gives me peace that transcends all my understanding. You know what that's saying? I don't have a clue what's going on and why it's going on, but I need your peace in the midst of this to help me get through. My sobbing bursts into song, and your presence will turn my mourning into dancing. For the Lord God is here. So grief is a choice. It's healthy. God grieves with us and grief is healed in humility and community and grief takes time. So here's the, the last big questions that we're going to finish in our time here today. How do I get past it? How do I move forward when there's horrible, senseless loss that I have in my life? Here we go. Here's a couple things that we have here. Four things. List the losses I haven't grieved over. List the losses I haven't grieved over. Don't just think about them. List them. What this takes is you need to go back and really do an inventory of your life. You need to look back and re-examine where major losses of your life have occurred. For instance, maybe you went off to war. I know Many people who've gone off to war, that those losses and the stuff there that has happened to them, they have never been able to grieve because it is a very, very difficult place that has caused all kinds of things to young men and women who have given their life and service to, to the country to deal with PTSD. And in many ways, when they can't grieve it and they can't deal with it, it keeps them stuck in a, in a very, very bad place. And that's why we have 24 veterans that commit suicide every day. And California and, well, uh, California and Illinois don't have to report. That's Chicago and Los Angeles. So some people believe it could be upwards of 30-some people that serve this country that commit suicide every day. You've experienced rejection. You miss some loved one in your life. You have a long-term illness. You've lost your job. Maybe that's just some of the areas that you have to go back in your life and re-examine those losses. So why are the losses in your life that are here, like I'm going to put my head down, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to grieve, and you're, you're just kind of getting yourself stuck in those areas. Well, start by listing those ones you've never grieved because I can't get past it until I acknowledge it. 
How, let me ask you, how many of you would like your future right now? If I said, hey, how many of you from right now to the day that you, you leave this world would like to be blessed by God, like to live a life blessed by God? Anybody raise your hands high if you want blessing by God. All right, so I think that's everybody, correct? Um, we all want God to bless our future. And Matthew 5, 4 says this. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed or blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Who gets comforted? They. Who are they? Those who have the courage to mourn. What is he saying? Those who press down and cover up don't get comforted and in turn don't get blessed. So if I, if I cover all that up, I'm not going to get comforted. If I don't get comforted, I'm not going to be blessed. And if you want God to bless you, you've got to learn how to grieve. If you have a wound, like a really bad wound, it got really dirty and, and nasty, um, you, and you go to the doctor, and it's filthy, it's nasty, it's got all kinds of things in it, you, what would you do if he went and said, said okay, here's a Band-Aid? You'd be like, what? Why? Because if you keep that in there and don't clean it out, what's going to happen? It's going to get infection, it's going to get disease, and it's going to be worse. But yet we do that all the time when we grieve in our life. We don't deal with the things, and we need to get those things cleaned out that have kept us in this place. So I'm guessing that many of our lives are unmourned losses that are still waiting. Uh, here we go. So why don't we allow ourselves to grieve? One word. Fear. Fear. If I really go back and think about the losses in my life, it's going to take me to a place and I'm going to lose my emotions. I'm afraid I'm going to, I'll never recover. You will recover. You won't if you keep pressing it down. I'm afraid I'll lose my mind. Welcome to the club. You might if you keep it a secret, but when you let it out, the boogeyman isn't so big. Right? Psalm 23 says this. Even though I walk through the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. That's one of the most famous quotes in the Bible. Again, it's used at pretty much every funeral um, I've ever said. Even though I walk through. Everybody see that? Walk through the shadow of death. You're walking through it. You're not getting over it. You're not staying stuck in it. Healing means that you consider the things that you have grieved. And the shadow, shadow, it's a shadow. Shadows look bigger. Do you remember as a kid, like when you were trying to go to bed, if there was a shadow on a wall, and you were like, mm? Pull the covers up, like, mm? Like you thought it, it was something. And then if you saw something like moving, and you're like, what's that? You're afraid to move. And when you got out there, you saw it was like some little tiny thing blowing, and you're like, oh, that's not big. The shadow was bigger and, and brought more fear and paralyzed you than the thing itself. And we are caught in a, in a mindset of death and loss, and, and we're looking at the shadow of it, which is so fearful to all of us, and that we're, we're paralyzed in, in our lives. But the fact is that as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. And my God is bigger than any shadow. That could be there. The Bible has never told us to weep not, sorrow not, cry not, grieve not. Matter of fact, what the Bible does tell us is 365 times. Is that a common number? Every day of the year. Every day of the year, there is a verse in the Bible that says, fear not. Because every day we need to learn not to fear because he is with me. Every day. Every day we're told that. Grief doesn't paralyze us, fear does. So we need to list the losses. Number two, identify what I've really lost. Go back and say, what did I really lose in my childhood when that was done to me? Go deeper be behind just the obvious. 
What did I lose by having uh, an abusive parent? What did I lose by being laid off? What did I lose when my parents got divorced? When my, when, when my uh, family moved around so much, did I lose stability, security, my identity? Did I lose trust and credibility? What happened? And we need to look past the obvious and say, what is that painful thing or, or when that loved one died or, or when the person walked out of my life for whatever, what did I lose at that moment? And have that there. Number three, you have to have the courage to lament. We just talked about lament. And lament is simply this. It is a passionate expression. It's, it's a word that, it's a biblical word, right? It's a Bible. You didn't go ahead and say, hey, today it's been a bad day. I'm lamenting a lot. Nobody ever says that, correct? Anybody ever use that in a sentence with anyone? No, we don't use it. But it means a passionate expression of grief to God. It's a cry out to God. Sometimes it's this. Hey, are you there? Sometimes it may be a shout out. God, I am so mad right now. It may be a, a guttural weeping. It may be a yelling. But it's a passionate expression of grief to God. The other definition is it is an act of worship, which is coupled with complaining to God. Would you like to worship God? Say, God, I love you, but man, come on. Enough is enough. God is not taken off by that. God can handle it. I'm going to tell you what God can handle. God can handle your rage. God can handle your resentment. God can handle your regrets. God can handle your complaining. God can handle your blaming. God can handle your pain. Why? Because he already knows it. And he just wants you to get it off your chest and admit it. I gave you a little bit ago an example of a modern lament that came from a book from a lady named Ann Weems. And she wrote a book of modern laments. And I just adjusted some things to fit me better. But we need to learn to lament. There's an entire book in the, in the Bible that nobody preaches on called Lamentations. And the entire book is about Jeremiah complaining that God got it all wrong. And God didn't smite, smote, whatever, uh, Jeremiah. He said, I get it. Keep on doing it. The, I love the thing about the Bible because the Bible doesn't whitewash any negative emotion. It's just there. The people say, God, this stinks, and it's there. God, it's unfair. God, I feel cheated. You broke your promise to me. And God isn't afraid of that negative emotions. We are. You know, there are 150 psalms in the, new, in, in the, um, in the Bible, 150. 65 of those are psalms of lament. 65 of them. David and a bunch of other people said, God, this is bad. I don't like it. God says it's also an act of worship because Psalm is a book of worship. As much as you thank God, as much as you praise God right now, this is another part of worship. God, right now, I don't like you very much, and I'm furious at you for not answering my prayer. Now, wrong theology has told us that, look out, here comes a lightning bolt. But the Psalms, which is worship and lamenting, tells us that God understands. Um, there's, a, there's this interesting psalm. It's Psalm 88 by Heman the Ezraite. Okay? Um, and the final message that he says in his psalm is, it reminds me of the, the old song, darkness is my only friend. In other words, the only friend I have left in my life is darkness. I was thinking that song, hello, darkness, my old friend. Right? I mean, <laughs> you get it. Okay? That's where he is. My lamenting, four years over my, my good friend Don. This year, over mom and dad. Over people I love dealing with abuse and struggles and, and, and things that aren't fair. 
dealing with personal and other betrayal and lies and character attacks, up to the point that somebody that God gave me in my life six years ago that brought me a lot of joy, that, I could, that was like a brother to me, and then all of a sudden, taken from me again. And my lament is, God, really? Can't you pick somebody else? Because I got a long list of who I think are better to go and leave this world than him. Now, that's not, some of you say, that's not very Christian-like. No, but it's very, very passionate and lamenting-like. And God is intimidated by it. So your opinion of what's Christian or not doesn't matter to me because I'm telling God, I don't like what you're doing right now. And he says, I know. But I'm here with you. Okay? And that's what we need to learn. That's what we need to embrace. Psalm 103, 13. This is our fourth one. It says, uh, ask Jesus to heal your broken heart. That's our last one. Psalm 103, 13 says, the Lord is like a father to his children. I love that statement because there have been times where my kids have not been happy with something that I've done. Very rarely because I'm an incredible father. <laughs> I got a weird look by Rachel. Okay, so anyway. But there's a lot of things that I've done that doesn't make them happy. There's things that I make, that I make rules and they don't like it and they do that. <clears throat> the storming off thing and they don't like it. And I like it. They yell and they, they hate it. I don't cut them on my life. Because I'm the dad, I'm going to do what I need to do to love you and protect you. And you may not understand and you may not like it. So what? God's the same way. So the Lord is like a father to his children, but he is tender and compassionate to those who honor him. For he understands how weak we are. Luke 4, 18. This is Jesus' first public sermon in his hometown. He said, God has sent me to what? Heal the brokenhearted. That's why Jesus came, to heal the brokenhearted. As our worship team comes up today, the last thing we often do is look to God. And while you're walking through the shadow of death, look to Jesus. You know what I discovered about shadows? You know, what, you know I was thinking about shadows. Anybody ever, you remember, like, like, you ever doing this, like this kind of stuff? Remember that? That's all I'm good at. Some people do like fish and sharks and they're really good at that. I don't know why they are, but they are. Um, but what I discovered about shadows is wherever there's a shadow, there's a light. And when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, if I keep my eyes focused on the shadow, there is fear. It's weighty and it's scaring me. But when I recognize that there is a light... There's a light, and Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You need Jesus in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, you and I and every human does not have the strength, the tools, or the ability to make it through all the losses that have come in our lives and that will come. It is only by the power of God in your life, through Jesus Christ who came and died and rose again, that you or, any, you or anybody who's ever walked the face of the earth is able to get through it. And the best way to prepare for the loss of a loved one, I'm going to tell you this. And you're going to have loved ones that, that pass. The best way is to make sure that you are prepared for your own death and your reservations after you leave this world. If you were to die tonight, where are you going? 
If, you, if, if right now at this moment, or in a month, a month ago, Danny was right here. In a month, if you're not here, where are you going to end up? Have you settled that issue? You know, what, what is all this world in trouble about? Jill and several others, I've, I've, I've had this conversation. What is this all about? And do you realize that images of the Jesus crucifixion did not appear in churches until the 10th century? That is 1,000 years of Christianity with no image of the crucifixion of Jesus. Why? Why? Because their focus was not on the death of Jesus. It was on the eternal life that we have through him. Their focus was on heaven. It was on, on doing what we can here to bring the good news of Jesus Christ so that this isn't it. And so Jesus promised us, I go to prepare a place for you. How many want to see that place? How many want to be there? How many want to be like the old hymn writers that say, I'm kind of homesick for a country of which I've never been before. No sad goodbyes will be unspoken. Beulah land, I'm longing for you. How many are waiting for, I'll fly away some glad morning when this life is over. You see, we've captured a love for this world that God has given us, and we, and we should, because it's a great gift. But we've lost a desire for heaven to be with Jesus. There's a lot of people who have left my life here that are there. And lately I'm kind of getting jealous because I still got to deal with this crap. Did the minister say crap? Yes, he did. And I'm starting, I never understood it before. I heard it, but there's in my life I always wanted to do this, do this, before Jesus returns, to do this, do that, do that. I'm kind of homesick. I'm kind of tired. Of, of hurt and, and pain and seeing abuse and seeing just hatred. I'm longing for the day that Jesus returns. I'm longing for the day where I have this great reunion because guess what? I know where my eternal plans are. Non-smoking. I'm in heaven. And when I walk through those gates... Oh, yeah, I want to see Danny. I want to see mom. I want to see my grandmother. I want to see dad. I want to see all those people. But they're going to have to get out of my way. Because I want to see Jesus. I want to thank him. I want to tell him, I don't like what you did, but thank you for getting me here. Thank you for your crucifixion. But, but yeah, let's forget about that. Let's, let's right now thank you for preparing this place for me. And then, if he, if he musters it at all, God not looking at my sin and, and the mess that I am, but he's looking through me through Jesus-colored glasses, and he sees the blood of Jesus over my life and the forgiveness in my life. And he looks at me and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Then I'll talk to the rest of them. And then I'm going to go sit down with Danny at the banquet table because we know that's where he is. And I'm going to eat a meal like I never have before. And all that time that I had to go through grief will just be a smidgen of the eternity that I get to spend in the presence of God. Grief 
is good. And we need to do that. All right, let's stand up and let's give this last song. Because um, Keith didn't know, have any idea I was preaching on this, but the Holy Spirit did. And you had to pick it as well with my soul. Thank God Michelle's singing it. All right. Lord God, we come to you today and we thank you for grief. God, when life throws so much at us, we know from Scripture that it tells us that Satan is the prince of, the, of this world. And we don't have to guess too much. All we have to do is look around. But God, we are living out the promises that you said that in this world we will have trouble. But you made a place for us. So we're overcoming this place. So Jesus, as we are here right now, I ask that anyone in the sound of my voice, if they haven't resolved and they haven't made their eternal uh, uh, dwelling place with you, if they haven't got it together and, um, and know where they're going, I pray right now that God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that they will say, you know what, I need to get there. I need, and the only way you get there is not by being good. It's not by doing charitable things. It's not by, by saying nice things to people and don't, not saying dirty words. If so, I think I'd be in trouble. God, the way we get there is only by, by the, the grace and the love and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So if somebody in the sound of my voice has not settled that where they're going, that people around them they're, that they're losing and, they're, and they've gone on and they, and they were believers in Jesus Christ and loved him, that God, right now, there's one way that you can take care of that and see them again by saying, Jesus, I need a savior. My life is a mess. Yeah, it may not be just falling apart completely, but God, I know that I missed the mark of what you intended and I need you. And so put up or shut up. Here we go, Jesus. Here it is. I am gonna give you this mess. I'm gonna give you my heart. I'm gonna say, come into my life and do with my life what you will. Change me, mold me, love me. And in that, God, as they say, Jesus, I accept everything that you have. All of heaven is throwing a party. And so, Father, do your will here. Because guess what? There's a lot of stuff lately in my life that I don't like. And I've told you about it. But because I know where I'm going, it is well with my soul. Because the ones I miss, I'm going to see again. So Jesus, take this time, speak to people. There'll be people up front that will pray with people. And God, I'm just going to pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit and medical technology and everything, get rid of this COVID thing in the power of Jesus Christ. And help your people be the body of Christ in Jesus' name. Amen. sound of his voice and sees that all shaken and stirred can be calmed and broken for my regard and through it all through it all my eyes are
Um, so, um, but, uh, and she loves that. Okay, everybody, have an awesome week in Jesus. I guess this went off. Um, have an awesome week in Jesus. We love you all. Have, um, be praying, or um, if you're planning on being here to honor Danny's life, that'll be Wednesday. Um, and just pray for me and the preparation. Be praying for Sarah. Um, and, and just, um, doesn't matter whether um, you're in your 80s and they're in the 60s or whether you're eight, they're eight and six. It's still her baby, um, so pray for her. And everybody else, um, I know we went over today, um, but I know there's a lot of grief and a lot of loss and a lot of stuff, and we need to deal with that. Have some good grief. I do want to put in a, a commercial. There is Grief Share, and we can help do that. So everybody, God bless. Have a great week.